Remember that even on cloudy days, natural light still offers numerous benefits. A study published in the Journal of Investigative Dermatology in 2010 found that sunlight exposure through clouds can still contribute to the vitamin D production in the skin. So even on cloudy days, the skin can still absorb some UVB rays necessary for vitamin D synthesis. And we all know that vitamin D plays a crucial role in various bodily functions. But one of those various bodily functions, and actually one of the main ones for daily life, is mood regulation. Hey, my name is Nicole and I am obsessed with interior design, business, personal development and building a home and life you love. I'm a small town country girl who has turned challenges into opportunities in both my personal and professional lives and now I sit here overcoming imposter syndrome every single day and doing the inner work in the pursuit of building a life I love waking up to and helping others do the same along the way. Whether you come here for interior design tips, real and raw chats about life and doing the inner work, or you just need some advice as you start and run your own business or side hustle, you are in the right place, my friend. Welcome to the Business of Being You podcast. I am so happy you're here. Biophilic design. You've likely stumbled upon it on your daily scroll through social media and Pinterest, and you've probably seen it through subtle advertisements that seem to be appearing everywhere. Just think of your favourite skincare brand or your favourite all-natural cleaner brand or even fashion. Their packaging and advertising is set up like a biophilic home with light neutral tones, lots of daylight, heaps of plants and earthy tones where we normally would have seen colour. The biophilic design principles are everywhere and we aren't even aware of it, yet we are so incredibly attracted to it. It's become a design trend that is hard to ignore. But the question on everyone's mind, is biophilic design here to stay or is it just another fleeting fad like that builder's grey that we've all seen come and thankfully go? But let's take a step back. Even if the aesthetics of biophilic design are a passing trend and personally I believe they're here for the long haul, the principles that underlie this style success are what we should be weaving into all aspects of our designs. Whether it's for our homes or our workspaces or our kids' classrooms, even just life in general. And if you're tuning in thinking I have no idea what she's talking about, don't worry, let me paint you a picture of a biophilic design interior for you real quick and once you get the hang of it, you'll likely start to recognise these spaces instantly. Okay, so imagine we're stepping into a biophilic design home. You enter through a large timber front door and as you step inside, it's almost as if the walls have like dissolved and nature has embraced every corner. Sunlight streams in through the large windows and large glass doors that leave little to no wall left behind. It casts a warm natural glow throughout every inch of the space. In these homes, the boundary between indoors and outdoors becomes blurred, and it's almost as if you don't need any artwork on the walls because nature itself is the masterpiece. With carefully placed windows to capture snippets of the outside, it's like it's a painting itself. You might have also heard these homes referred to as beige mum homes because the colour palette is very minimalistic. We actually call the colour palette achromatic or monochromatic because it's using the same tones over and over again. 
The walls are often painted in serene off-whites and soft neutrals because the idea is that the true vibrancy comes from the nature outdoors and it will subtly find its way into the space without needing to bring in lots of colour, lots of tones and lots of texture. The furniture... Think organic shapes like circles and curves and often always in timbers and concretes and renders to keep the tones and textures aligned with what we see in nature. You will not see squares or rectangles in a biophilic design home, not through the furniture anyway. What you also won't find is lots of different geometric shapes like an art deco home. The idea is that nature has just kind of flowed indoors. So if you think about like the rolling hills as you're driving through the countryside or if you think of like a riverbed where all the rocks are different shapes and different textures and sizes, that's what we are trying to bring indoors with biophilic design. It also brings in a whole lot of plants, like they're the star of the show. Sometimes it feels like they've taken over a little bit too much, in my opinion, but that's almost the charm of it. Because the aim of biophilic design is to make the boundaries between indoors and outdoors vanish, it makes sense to bring a whole lot of plants in so as you walk through the home you see them hanging from ceilings and perched on open shelves, again to blur those lines between the indoors and the outdoors. And when it comes to the flooring, they're almost always wooden or concrete with natural jute and wool carpets or rugs that bring in a touch of natural comfort and warmth with natural fibres. The lines blur between indoors and outdoors and you can feel like you can easily flow between the two spaces with ease. It's as if the home is nestled into the surroundings of nature rather than the nature being an afterthought and planted after the home is built. In my opinion, you can think of biophilic design not just as a trend, but more as a philosophy that seeks to bring nature into our everyday lives and create living spaces that nurture our physical and mental health. In our fast-paced urban existence, it is more important now than ever to establish a clear connection with the natural world, and biophilic design allows us to do just that, even in the midst of our hustling, bustling cities. And this is why this episode exists, because I want to empower you with the knowledge of how to incorporate these design principles, and more importantly, why you should incorporate them because by doing so you could unlock the potential to optimize your health and well-being and start creating spaces that nurture and uplift your soul every single day. I have always held this belief, but especially now, and that belief is that the impact our surroundings have on our overall health and well-being is so profound. Allow me to share a quick personal story that reinforces this conviction. Okay, so let's travel back to 2020, although I won't dwell on that year for long. During that time, I rented a tiny 3 meter by 3 meter room, but in the coolest flat. Unfortunately for me, though, it was lacking even a built-in wardrobe. So every item was on display, and it was like a constant reminder of the cramped space I was in. Over the course of a year, I tried to embrace the challenge of optimizing the compact space. Despite the lack of storage and the inability to repaint the walls, I was resolute in my quest to infuse a touch of nature every single chance I got. Every indoor plant found their place, each piece of driftwood, rock and crystal that I'd gathered during my travels was meticulously arranged and within the room you found me clinging to anything that looked and felt like nature. And as someone with ADHD, biophilic design is even more important. ADHD and biophilic design may seem unrelated at first glance, but a fascinating study published in the Journal of Environmental Psychology found a compelling link. 
The study revealed that exposure to natural elements such as sunlight, greenery and flowing water in indoor environments can significantly alleviate ADHD symptoms and enhance cognitive function. This discovery reinforces the transformative potential that biophilic design has and showcases its capacity to not only beautify spaces but also positively impact our mental well-being. So, as time flowed by, much like a hermit crab outgrowing its shell, I too outgrew that tiny space. And just as I stood at a crossroad and was unsure of what to do or where to go next, destiny intervened. I crossed paths with my now partner, Matt, and after three months of dating, I made the bold choice to leave the city behind and traded it for the countryside and a life with him. Let me tell you that living in the heart of nature had an impact that was nothing short of profound. Like, I still can't believe the difference. The countryside's peace and quiet and beauty, it like, wrapped me in this overwhelming sense of calm and connection. And as I say this, I'm like cuddling myself because it is just such a nice feeling. The positive shifts that it had on my mental well-being were obvious to everyone around me, but including myself. Like I started to have more energy during the day. I was more creative, more productive. But alongside all of that, I actually rested more too. When I rested, I was like pottering in the garden or I was walking around barefoot on the ground and I was grounding myself and I slept when I needed to and I could sleep way better because I didn't have the sound of sirens and cars rushing past me. It was and still is perfect. But it was this experience where I actually truly grasped the heart of biophilic design. The notion of inviting the outdoors in, whether it's within a cozy nook or a you know, your whole home. However you can do it, it will create a harmonious space that nurtures our very well-being, like our mental well-being, emotional, physical. It serves as this gentle reminder of our innate bond with nature and the renewing kind of like vibe that it brings. And through my personal journey, I witnessed firsthand how our environment weaves into our emotions, our productivity, and our overall sense of wellness. And to be honest, if I'd been honest with myself, I wasn't happy in that small room, not for quite a while. Like I loved the flat and I loved the girls I lived with, but I was so checked out that not once did I consider that my home was part of the cause of so much inner turmoil. I also talk about this in another episode, but basically I was living in town and I also worked in town, but I worked in like the industrial area of Napier. So I left home and I didn't see any nature whatsoever. And then I went to work and it was even worse. Like I think the only grass I could see was across the road, but it was like a dead paddock. And otherwise I was just surrounded by concrete and steel buildings and it smelled horrible. So it wasn't just the home that was causing inner turmoil. But it definitely added up. So I had the home that wasn't really connected to nature, although we had beautiful citrus trees and a nice backyard. It's just that the room was really small and there was no space indoors that allowed the outdoors to come in. So even though the outdoors at my home was wonderful, if it was winter or cold or you just couldn't go outside or didn't want to, you, there was no way the outdoors was inside. And so you did feel 
disconnected from the outdoors. And that's what biophilic design tries to avoid. It tries to create a more seamless flow between the outdoors and the indoors and you and nature, rather than this distinct wall between the indoors and the outdoors, which was definitely prominent and significant in the home I was living in which was then amplified by the fact that I went to work in this concrete jungle eight plus hours a day. So it wasn't just one thing, but if I had been honest with myself, I would have seen earlier that the places I was living and working were creating inner turmoil or at least amplifying it. And this is why I ask my clients when I work with them, how do you want the space to feel? Because often we are seeking a feeling that we believe external items will give us. And often through interior design, we can curate spaces that alter how we feel, for better or for worse, if not done well. And by asking this question, how do you want the space to feel? I am encouraging my clients to get back in touch with themselves. And although it sounds a little bit woo-woo, for me, there is no denying the imprint of biophilic design's principles on my life. And I don't believe your entire home needs to be based on biophilic design because we each have our own individual styles. However, the principles of biophilic design, I do believe we should be integrating into all the new builds, whether it's, you know, social housing, our own houses, renovations, schools, just everywhere we have built environments, I believe we should be incorporating biophilic design principles, whether it's in a small way or a big way. My personal journey was conviction enough for me, like it confirmed that I needed to be weaving these principles into my work as a designer, creating spaces that are not just visually captivating, but also feel really welcoming to my clients. I want them to feel like they are home. I want them to feel however they want to feel when they step into the space. And I bet that that's not stressed or busy. Like a lot of my clients just want to come home feel relaxed, be surrounded by things and items and artwork that they love and often they also want to be surrounded by nature. I actually recently had a client where they were renovating in town but instead because they were really unhappy with the home and there was no way that we could bring that feeling in just because of the home's location and they wanted to feel like they were immersed in nature. Anyway, they actually ended up deciding to sell that home, and they've brought a lifestyle block in the countryside, which was the perfect decision for them. For that space, we could have brought in the biophilic design principles, of course, but not in the big ways that they were wanting. They wanted the big impact, and we only would have been able to bring it in in really small ways, and that wasn't enough for them. The crux of it is that by immersing ourselves in elements that echo nature's harmony, we are awakening the innate connection between humanity and the natural world. Okay, clearly I am so passionate about this topic, so I'm going to stop myself there because this style originated so many years ago and it's had the chance to evolve over the years and we've fine-tuned exactly what makes it tick and that's what I want to bring you today. I have got nine killer ways for us to sprinkle these same design principles into our homes. And just remember, you do not need to remember it all. I will link the show notes below with all nine tips in them. And these tips will apply to you whether you're building your brand new home or you're renovating or even renting. All right, let's get started. Number one, embrace the power of plants. Introduce a diverse array of indoor plants into your space. Now, the trick with this tip and all of the others is scale up or down depending on the impact that you're wanting. 
if you want the biggest impact of biophilic design and your home can handle it, then by all means, scale up and bring tons of indoor plants in. But if your space is on the smaller side and you just want to bring in a little bit of biophilic design, then just bring in a little amount of plants. Like I say, scale up or down depending on the mood and the vibe you want to create and the size of your home because we don't want it to feel too cluttered either. Okay, so start by bringing in a diverse array of indoor plants into your space. Try and get a different range of smaller potted plants to larger statement pieces. The important thing here to note is to take inspiration from the varied shapes, sizes, and colors seen in the natural ecosystems you are wanting to recreate and ensure that they align with the specific environment that you are trying to portray. Now, while some plants like the vibrant bird of paradise may add a really striking and colorful touch, it's really important that we consider the overall aesthetic and whether it complements the textures and sizes found in the desired natural setting. For instance, if you are surrounded by New Zealand native trees, colour is typically rarely found. You've got the Corfi tree and a rare variety of manuka that has pink plants and the Corfi tree is yellow. But in general, you don't see a lot of colour with New Zealand native trees. So in this case, if you were trying to recreate that or you've got a lot of native trees outside and you're trying to bring biophilic design through and you're bringing the outdoors in, in this case, I would opt for larger plants or plants with larger and more textured leaves, maybe like the banana tree, because this will help create better visual harmony between the indoors and the outdoors. The thing is, is because New Zealand native trees rarely have a lot of colour and they often have different coloured or sorry, different textured leaves, that's their difference, rather than the colour, they've got different textures. So if you were to bring in a really colourful plant or an array of colourful plants inside, it could create a jarring effect visually as you head into the outdoors. So although we want to bring the outdoors in, we want to bring the right outdoors in. So if you are wanting to create seamless flow, then definitely consider what the outdoor plants are doing, what they're looking like, how big they are, what their scale is, and try and bring that indoors with the correct plants. We have a lot of New Zealand native trees at our place and my partner actually has a nursery, his own nursery, and kind of just grows them for himself from seed, which is really cool. So with being surrounded by New Zealand native trees, I've kind of changed up the plants that I brought in. Originally, I just brought all my plants that I had when I lived in town, but now one of my favorites is the fiddle leaf fig, just because the leaves are a little bit more natural. I did have a giant Monstera, but I think I'm going to rehome her just because she stands out quite a bit in comparison to the outdoors. So she doesn't really fit, and I think I'm going to have to rehome her. Another one of my favorites is the rubber plant. I really like the rubber plant, and I feel like that goes too. So have a look at those two plants if you don't know what they are, and especially if you have a lot of New Zealand native trees outside, and you can use those as a starting point to decide what indoor plants you want to bring in. There's also no saying that you can't propagate these plants and have multiple of them. That's what I've done with a couple of mine. I've propagated them over and over again and you'll find them in different parts of the house. Because they're propagated at different stages, some are smaller, some are larger, and you can put them in different pots which makes a huge difference too. So don't feel like you need to go out and buy hundreds of different types of indoor plants. You can pick a few and propagate as you go. It's often really easy to propagate. 
I also found a lot of my pots from the likes of Kmart and then I got this like spray paint that you can spray on and it gives it like a stone textured effect and I do that for a lot of my pots or paint them more natural neutral tones and that helps a lot too. So that's number one. Bring in a whole lot of plants and embrace the power that they bring. Number two, opt for natural materials. When you're selecting furniture, floorings and finishes, prioritise natural materials like wood or uh, the likes of bamboo, there's cork, stone. These materials often add visual warmth, a whole lot of texture and a more tactile connection to the natural world because they are natural materials. The important thing to note with this one is to pay attention to the undertones of the chosen materials, especially when mix mixing different styles of wood. To maintain a more cohesive look, it's recommended to stick to a maximum of three different wood tones in one space. My suggestion is start by selecting the flooring if you're renovating or building, because this is the most timber you will see visually, like it takes up the most space, right? So this should be what we call your primary wood tone. And if you plan on mixing timbers on top, my suggestion for your flooring is to go for more of like an American oak type timber because it has a more neutral undertone and neutral base to start stacking other wood tones on top, which minimizes clashing and creates a more cohesive look overall. The white oak will serve as a really versatile base for various interior styles. So don't think you can only do it if you're going modern or, I don't know, art deco for the likes. You can also, if you're doing different styles like that, arrange the wooden floors slightly differently. So you've got the herringbone style or, you know, there's so many different ways that you can mix up your flooring, even if you are just sticking to one tone. But I do truly recommend going for like a white oak if you do plan on mixing a whole lot of timbers on top, just because it is a really neutral, natural base. And this foundation then ensures that the other undertones of the wooden furniture and accessories will harmonize seamlessly and it will avoid clashing. And then it does truly help maintain that cohesive overall aesthetic. The third design principle we can bring in is maximizing natural light. Okay, let's shed some light on this, literally. Get ready to throw open those curtains or blinds during the day because this floods the room with natural warm light and if there are trees around it allows for dappled light to pour through and that can add a more playful and natural essence to the space. Consider using sheer or light filtering window treatments that maintain privacy while maximizing the beauty of natural daylight if you are living in town and you're concerned about other people seeing you. By doing this, you still invite the transformative power of sunlight in and then you're still fostering that strong connection with the outdoors and still bringing that sense of vitality into your space that you feel a little bit more secure because you know that you're not kind of walking around in a fishbowl where everyone can see you. And if you're one of those people that's hesitant to fully open the curtains or blinds in moody or gloomy weather and you don't think that it matters... I want to introduce you to a study that was published in the Journal of Investigative Dermatology in 2010. This study found that sunlight exposure through clouds can still contribute to vitamin D production in the skin. So even on cloudy days, the skin can still absorb some of these UVB rays that are necessary for vitamin D synthesis. And we all know that vitamin D plays a crucial role in various bodily functions. And one of those main ones is mood regulation. 
A different study published in the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine in 2014 actually found that students that were more exposed to natural light in their classrooms actually had higher academic performance and better cognitive function overall. This is actually why I selected the brightest and lightest room in the house for my office with tons of indirect light that doesn't affect me looking at the computer screens but still gives me all the benefits of sunlight and I actually had my desk a few months ago now kind of on a different wall and because of that the sunlight kind of came onto my screen and I often had to have the blind or the curtain shut and since having moved it now that we're having you know longer days it has had such a profound impact. Like I am truly finding that I am way more proactive for longer. And then I actually really appreciate my breaks too, because I'm going kind of from a space that is light and bright to the outdoors. So whereas I would typically avoid having a lunch break, which I know is really bad, but it felt like I was in this like cocoon or cave and I didn't want to leave. Whereas now I actually prioritize having a lunch break and I go and sit outside, which is beautiful. So 100% recommend bringing all the natural light into your home that you can and even on those cloudy days open those curtains and those blinds because it does have an impact even if you don't believe it. And if you're listening and you're kind of skeptical about how these simple changes can have such a profound impact, I just want to let you know that modern biophilic design actually came about in the 1980s. Architects and interior designers embarked on this journey to infuse the indoors with the essence of nature because they recognised its potential to elevate our health and happiness. And honestly, since then, biophilic design has evolved into a comprehensive approach into shaping our living and working environments for the better. The term biophilia back in the 1980s, I think it was actually 1984, let me check. Yes, 1984. So the term biophilia was introduced by a biologist, Edwin O. Wilson, in his influential book, Biophilia. Now, he used it to capture the innate human urge to connect with the natural world and living beings. This concept has since evolved into biophilic design, which was popularized by Stephen and Judith in the 1990s. And it was their work that laid out the very foundation for how we understand and apply these principles in the fields of architecture and interior design. Now let's zoom in on recent times. Biophilic design has surged in popularity and I believe the catalyst was none other than the year of 2020. The pandemic and subsequent lockdowns triggered a resurgence of curved designs and furniture, bench tops, and even wall panelling because in my opinion, we were all seeking like stability amidst the chaos and that's what nature gives us. I was actually listening to a podcast episode the other day with Jay Shetty, I believe it was. No, it was a diary of a CEO and he was talking to the man that had made like 15 million people happier or something. I'll find it and I'll link it in the show notes. But he was kind of saying how happiness is our choice and I won't go into it too much, but happiness is our choice and it's kind of based on our expectations and we expect nature to be rugged and organic and it's never the same and it's not consistent. And so it's interesting to me that it's we we can easily know what to expect with nature. And so that was the very thing that we all reached towards in the chaos of the pandemic and the lockdowns. And I just think it's so clear as to why it has become such a prominent design style like biophilic design and 
or the curves and I mean curves aren't specific to biophilic design but to me it's no surprise that we started seeing this alongside more biophilic design color palettes which I'll talk about in another tip but you know we saw the sage greens and the blues and we just saw so much nature and that's why I don't believe that it is just this passing trend because I think 2020 like we're never going to be the same and a lot of us are still working from home and we don't want to go back to pre-2020 work life quote-unquote balance because it was imbalanced right like we were always in these offices and working really hard and I think this is a shift that we can't and don't want to undo and that's why I don't believe this design style is going anywhere so if you're sitting there and you're listening and you're thinking these tips sound really small and easy to do like surely it can't have that much of a profound impact just know that it has since the 1980s and this style is probably not going anywhere so write the tips down or go to the show notes I promise you just integrating even a few of them will make such a massive impact on your life I'm sure of it it definitely did for me okay number four create visual connections to nature when decorating especially on a budget trust me I've been there it can be really easy to get tricked into thinking it's a good idea to get mass-produced artwork from the likes of nude or Kmart But as a substitute for generic mass-produced artwork, engage your creativity and produce your own textured plaster artwork. You can explore local op shops and repurpose existing canvases to experiment with interior plaster and you can pick up interior plaster from Bunnings or Mitre 10. I go to Bunnings and I think we paid like 20 something dollars and it was like jib four something. It was a decent sized bucket and it was exactly what we needed. So I invite you to try experiment with this interior plaster because this can often allow you to create unique organic textures inspired by natural elements. In case you haven't noticed, we've also seen the surgence of textured art. So there are tons and tons of tutorials on how to create it, whether you use YouTube, TikTok, probably not Instagram, I would stick with YouTube or TikTok, and you can create your own plaster artwork. You can then leave this artwork in its natural state or apply a colour that complements your interiors. You could even draw inspiration from the natural hues observed in the environment and I'm seeing a lot of these being done in like neutral tones, sage greens and even really deep blues which is really interesting. It looks really nice so I definitely suggest just giving this a go and creating your own unique artwork because no one else is going to have it. It's textured, it's natural, and it just really connects to that biophilic design principle. You could also opt for artwork that is not mass-produced, that still showcases nature. However, I feel like these are a little bit more expensive, so if you are on a budget, this the textured plastered artwork is a really easy, quick way to bring it in. Um, I feel like a lot of people rush into art but I think it's kind of this thing that over time you start to collect pieces that mean a lot and so if you're thinking oh my gosh I need a whole lot of artwork in my home that's nature based and textured and whatever like no just bring in a few pieces and the easiest way to bring in more is to buy those canvases and try your hand at interior plaster artwork. Another really good way to bring nature in is photos of nature too. If you have some really beautiful photos from travels or hiking or whatever, that can be a really good way, but just be careful that you don't overdo it. You could maybe slot these in into like a gallery wall, but don't, in my recommendation, just find pictures and print them off randomly and put them in random frames and throw them all over the house. Like it's not the same. So 
definitely spend a little bit of time on this one and have a look on Pinterest for some inspiration. I'll also have some on my Bioflick Design Pinterest board, which is linked in the show notes. Number five, introduce natural textures. Enhance the sensory experience by incorporating a variety of natural fibers and textures throughout your space. And don't forget that limiting yourself to small accent pillows alone won't do you any favors. So try and mix and match pillows of different sizes with different textured fabric and different patterns to create depth and visual interest. This is also where I recommend exploring rugs made from more natural materials like jute or sisal or wool because these provide warmth underfoot but they also infuse the space with more organic natural materials and textures. The idea of this is that the interaction between your feet and the floor can greatly influence the overall comfort and tactile experience of the room. So with this, be sure to select materials that resonate with your senses. This is actually one thing that I noticed the other day because it was a really warm sunny day and I didn't have to wear socks around the house. And I was like, oh my goodness, I miss the feeling of carpet underneath my feet. Like I miss the feeling of flooring rather than just having my feet bound by these lemon cotton socks. So yeah, that is definitely one thing I recommend is find a flooring that you love standing on. I know it sounds a little bit silly now, but you'll thank me for it later. The other thing I said was that to make sure the materials resonate with your senses. Now, the reason I say this is I personally have ADHD and so I really don't like the feeling of velvet. So if you don't either, don't feel like you need to incorporate this into like your pillow covers or whatever. Like you don't have to. If you don't like the feeling of a material, don't use it. I'm also a little skeptical about jute too. I don't know why. It's just sometimes it feels okay to me and then sometimes it just feels oh, horrible. I'm picturing it now and it just feels like, oh, sandpaper. So if something doesn't resonate with you, please don't include it. Just because it's natural, it doesn't mean you need to pick it. So be really careful about the materials that you bring in, whether it is in the form of pillowcases or rugs, really whatever, like it has to resonate with you. And if you don't like it, don't bring it in. Number six is all about engaging all your senses. Biophilic design is not solely focused on visual aesthetics or the feel of touch as well, like we just discussed. Biophilic design should engage all your senses. You could consider incorporating sound elements inspired by nature. I love wind chimes personally and also I love soothing instrumental music or audio recordings of like nature sounds when I'm working. So those are just a couple of ways you can bring the sound of nature indoors too. And let's not forget about smell, right? You can introduce natural scents through essential oil diffusers or candles or wax melts with fragrances like lavender, even citrus. You could do pine. I do love pine. And this way we can evoke a sense of tranquility and connection to the outdoors through another sense. My mum makes these beautiful wax melts, she has her own business, and melting them with burners in my lounge and office during the day ensures I stay as calm, grounded, and as regulated as possible. My other hack for this is I use different scents for different things. So I use earthy tones for when I'm working, and I use more fruity tones for the living spaces. It helps me differentiate rest from work in a way that's not just shutting the door on the way out of the office at the end of the day. 
By engaging multiple senses, you create a more immersive and holistic experience, which can then further enhance the biophilic atmosphere within your living spaces. So try getting some candles or some wax melts. The thing with this is you want to get a good quality candle, not one that burns really dirty. Um, And if you find that candles are more expensive than what you're willing to spend to try this out, I would 100% recommend the wax melts. Um, Like I say, I use more fruity tones for when I'm relaxing or lavender. I love lighting a lavender one in the bedroom before I'm about to go to sleep and always make sure you blow out the candle when you're sleeping. But yeah, I use the earthy tones for when I'm working and I just love it. Like I love coming to the office in the morning, sitting down with my hot chocolate or my chai latte, lighting the wax melt. Like it it actually truly does make a difference, at least for me. So that is number six. Engage all your senses, including smell. Number seven, emphasizing organic shapes. Nature's beauty lies in its imperfect and organic forms. You can take inspiration from the irregular shapes and curves found in natural environments. Between Central Hawke's Bay and Hastings in Hawke's Bay, um, you can often find these gentle rolling hills and I think they are so beautiful. And the other day I was driving and I was looking at them and I was just admiring about how none of them are symmetrical, none of them are the same heights or, you know, they're all so different and that's the beauty of nature, right? So that's why I say that you can bring in inspiration from outside through the irregular shapes and curves and it's not going to look out of place as long as you're following many other design principles at the same time. You know, if the rest of your house is like ultra modern and you bring in a curved table, well, that's going to look a little bit out of place. But if you are aiming to bring that biophilic design in and you're bringing in multiple different principles from it, it is going to fit in perfectly and it will make it feel like you are just part of the outdoors. You can also find tons of tutorials to create this type of furniture, right? Like there's, uh, I think her name's Genevieve. Again, I'll try and link her Instagram in the show notes below. But she does some really cool DIY projects and they're almost all kind of organic vibes at the moment. She did a desk, an office desk. She did a couple of coffee tables, an outdoor table, and they are like perfect. So if you don't have a lot of money or you don't want to spend a lot of money investing in biophilic design kind of elements and principles because you're not sure if you're going to like it or you just want to try it out and dabble I'll link her Instagram in the show notes and you can go and have a look at her DIYs because they are pretty much perfect the thing we want to consider is for example like in kitchen design we want to be rounding off those benchtop edges or alternatively when we're selecting furniture or like accessories we want to be selecting handcrafted accent pieces like vases with organic contours or even opting for tiles that are made from natural materials and have more irregular shapes with non-perfect grouting and more natural tones. By embracing these organic forms, you're infusing your space with a sense of natural randomness and visual interest, which helps us create a stronger connection to the outdoors. The thing with the tiles is if you go for like a light colored tile, then go for a light colored natural toned grout and the same for darker tiles. We don't want to be creating any harsh visual lines. So try and get your grouting in line with your tiles. Now I touched on this one earlier, but number eight is incorporating biophilic color palettes. To deepen the seamless indoor-outdoor flow, we want to be immersing ourselves in colors inspired by nature. Earthy tones like warm browns, soft greens, especially the sages, 
muted blues and subtle neutrals can evoke this sense of serenity and connection to the natural world. I actually recently completed this kitchen project where we did a sage green kitchen. We did like this off white kind of brown for the walls and we also incorporated a little bit of wood in there too and it was in this character home and it was so beautiful. So even though the overall design was more traditional, maybe even transitional because it was quite modern as well, the overall theme and like the design principles behind it, there were a few biophilic design principles. So it's a really good example of saying that you don't have to have a completely biophilic designed home to bring in the principles that truly matter and make a difference. I would suggest that you should explore color palettes that align with biophilic design principles and you can apply these colors to your walls, to your furniture, textiles like pillowcases, curtains, and accessories to create a harmonious and balanced aesthetic that reinforces the natural ambiance that we desire. See, even Margot agrees. And again, in regards to colour palettes and all of these tips, I will have a biophilic design Pinterest board linked below that you can see more examples of this in case you're sitting there thinking that it's more trendy or you're wondering how to bring it in in more subtle ways. So don't forget to check the show notes as always. And last but not least, number nine, creating designated nature inspired spaces. If you're not undertaking major renovations, maybe you're renting or maybe you actually do own your own home but you just want to dabble with biophilic design to start with, I would recommend starting with designating a specific area or areas in your home where you can immerse yourself in nature. One idea is you could establish a really like cozy reading nook by a large window that offers a captivating view of the outdoors. Alternatively, you could create a meditation corner that's filled with plants and natural elements and soft lighting. Another way you can do it is outdoors. You can bring in a small outdoor seating area where you can relax and enjoy the fresh air. Whatever it is, these dedicated spaces will provide you a retreat within your home that can allow you to connect with nature on a deeper level and experience moments of tranquility and rejuvenation. This is one tip that... I wish I knew sooner and if you only remember one from everything I've talked about today, it's this one. I would 100% start with creating a designated space for nature that is nature inspired. I think this is what I was trying to do with my bedroom in the last place, but definitely not with any intention. Like I just knew that I wanted nature and I brought it all in, but actually there was a space we had a pretty big lounge, a dining room, and then another room off that, which could kind of be considered a sunroom. And in that, I probably could have created like a meditation corner and just brought in a whole lot of plants that allowed me to just go sit there, relax, meditate, and feel like I'm a part of the outdoors without having to go outdoors or without, you know, if I don't have the option to go outdoors as in if it's raining. So yeah, if you start with any of these tips, I recommend starting with this one and do it with intention, like bring the outdoors in, but in really intentional ways, whether that's plants or more lighting or soft lighting even, like you can use soft wall lighting, soft LED lighting. Just be really intentional and create a space that truly feels relaxing and like you are able to connect with the outdoors or are connecting with the outdoors. So like I say, if you take just one tip away, let it please be this one. Now, if you're sitting here listening and you are itching for more clarity on any of these points, 
Please don't hesitate to check out the show notes for direct links to the Biophilic Design Pinterest board that I've created, as well as the show notes for a recap on all of these nine tips that I gave you and so much more. But I hope I have made it clear that incorporating biophilic design doesn't mean flipping your space upside down and completely overhauling it and throwing a whole lot of money at it. Instead, please just hone in on these key elements that I've talked about to infuse your home with nature's essence. The result? An environment that's harmonious, that's balanced and one that radiates wellness while still fostering an unbreakable bond with the natural world. I'm not sure whether this concept is old news to you or it's a fresh discovery. Regardless, understanding its significance paves the way for healthier and more sustainable living environments and being able to spot it in our daily lives also gives us the advantage of being able to say, I'm attracted to this because it has the following features. And that will make your life so much easier as you pursue renovation work or building or even just changing up your rental space. Like I say, biophilic design can be seen literally everywhere at the moment, like all over social media, Pinterest, and in a lot of the advertising. So being able to identify it and identify why you relate to it and why you like it so much will help you tremendously bring it into your life in simple ways, big ways, small ways, the whole lot. Biophilic design honestly kind of acts as like this ticket to rekindling a bond with nature in our fast-paced modern lives. It taps into this innate knowing that the connection with the natural world will help us leverage its benefits to boost our well-being, boost our productivity, and honestly just our overall quality of life. Like if we look at one of the tips like bringing more light into our indoors and our interiors, if we actually just got more light ourselves during the day, we would probably be a whole lot happier, like I say. Getting the vitamin D onto our skin and being able to synthesize it can be tremendous to boosting our mood and as well as our cognitive function. So don't just think that these nine tips are for your interiors only. You can bring a lot of these into life in general and have a profound impact. I think that's why I love biophilic design so much is because it's not just for our interiors or our exteriors, like it's for life in general. And it's all kind of hindered on the fact that they've studied this design style since the 1980s and they have found what truly works and they've done so many studies about how it can benefit us emotionally, mentally, physically. So that is why I love biophilic design so, so much. As you journey onward, I want you to take action. I encourage you to explore the possibilities of biophilic design in your own space, whether it's welcoming plants, chasing natural light, or embracing more earthy tones and hues. Every effort matters, big or small. By embracing biophilic design, we are then crafting environments that harmonize with nature, and this can nurture a profound connection that nurtures both mind and body, as well as soul. Stress retreats, Creativity soars and cognitive function then takes centre stage. Here's to a future where nature and design walk hand in hand, creating spaces that resonate with our overall well-being and echo the tranquility of the great outdoors. Okay, this is clearly a topic I am super passionate about, so I'm going to stop myself here before I lose you or before this goes on for like another two hours, which could really truly happen because I have so much to share. But I have talked about the importance of biophilic design, 
why we should bring it in. And I've given you nine ways that you can bring it into your home or workspace today, which can have a profound impact on your mental, emotional and physical health. So let's conclude. And here is to a future where nature and design walk hand in hand. Let's create spaces that resonate with our well-being and echo the tranquility of the great outdoors. Until next time, please keep bringing the outdoors in and designing a world where we're in sync with nature's rhythm. All right, I'll see you same time next week, Tuesdays dropping at 4pm. Chat to you then.